about halfway through. And so we're ready for the word today. Yes. We're going to continue uh, along that way uh, to bless people and encourage people with the words of Jesus and, and what he went through. So how about we pray before we speak today? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's powerful, Lord. I thank you that it can change lives, that it can encourage people. I thank you that people can walk in here a certain way, but after hearing your word and after experiencing your presence, they can leave transformed because of the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that that power dwells in each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, one thing I didn't tell you was our chaplaincy fundraising dinner. I knew there was something in the back of my mind, and Jacqueline was like beaming it to my mind. <laughs> so we had a chaplaincy fundraising dinner. The word's coming. A chaplaincy fundraising dinner on Wednesday night, and we raised over $6,200. So give God praise for that. It's been such a busy week, it feels like that was two weeks ago now, and it's only two or three days. But God is so good, and that all goes to support our local chaplains in our school. And that's, that's us, guys, that we put that on. So our church just raised over $6,000, gathering all these people, having a dinner, um, having Anne Lindsay go crazy with auctions again. <laughs> She's really good at uh, auctioneering. And, uh, and that's, what a blessing. So give God some praise again. That's just so good. All right, so John... And uh, let's have a look at a video. It was winter and the festival of the dedication of the temple was being celebrated in Jerusalem. Jesus was walking in Solomon's porch in the temple when the people gathered round him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us the plain truth. Are you the Messiah? I have already told you, but you would not believe me. The deeds I do by my father's authority speak on my behalf. But you will not believe, for you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never die. No one can snatch them away from me. What my Father has given me is greater than everything. And no one can snatch them away from the Father's care. The Father and I are one. And the people again picked up stones to throw at him. done many good deeds in your presence, which the Father gave me to do. For which one of these do you want to stone me? We do not want to stone you because of any good deeds, but because of your blasphemy. You're only a man, but you're trying to make yourself God. It is written in your own law that God said you are gods. We know that what the scripture says is true forever. And God called those people gods. The people to whom his message was given. As for me, the Father chose me and sent me into the world. How then?
then can you say that I blaspheme? Because I said that I am the Son of God. Do not believe me then, if I am not doing the things my Father wants me to do. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, you should at least believe my deeds. In order that you may know, once and for all, that the Father is in me, and that I am in the Father. Blasphemy! Once more they tried to seize Jesus, but he slipped out of their hands. Jesus then went back again across the Jordan River to the place where John had been baptizing, and he stayed there. Many people came to him. John performed no miracles, they said, but everything he said about this man was true, and many people there believed in him. So John chapter 10, as we finish it today, is all talking all about Jesus being the good shepherd. You know, we pick it back up today, just after Jesus had caused division, again, <laughs> amongst the people, with some declaring maybe he's got a demon in him and, and others are mad and uh, declaring that he's gone crazy like a lunatic. And then others were debating, well, how can a man have a demon when he's healed someone from blindness that they had from birth. And so there was a lot of to and fro, and you can see the crowd are quite aggro, aren't they? Um, they didn't have their wheat bix for breakfast or something. But anyway, let's continue reading. John chapter 10, uh, verses 22 to 24 says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Isn't it funny how they point the picture at Jesus to say that he's keeping them in doubt uh, when the doubt is coming directly from them? How many times now, we're up to John chapter 10, think back, how many times has Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, I'm God's son, I'm the Messiah, I'm all these things. Yet they come to him and say, well, stop mucking around and just tell us who you really are. It's because they don't want to believe what he's saying. And it keeps going along that way. Jesus, Jesus has a way of bringing out the best and the worst in people. And I think we just saw it then. In this case, it was both. The, the unbelieving Jews in the crowd accused Jesus of having a demon, being insane, being crazy. And others declared, you know what? He's healed this guy from blindness. Surely he's the Messiah. Well, in December, it's actually a really festive month, and not just because it's a, the Western world's Christmas, but in the Jewish calendar, the big holiday is the Feast of Dedication, or also known as Hanukkah. Um, and that's what it's called today. The Feast of Dedication celebrates the cleansing of the temple in 164 BC um, after the king of Syria sacrificed a pig on the altar. And the event is recorded in the books of Maccabees, which are not part of the scripture, uh, but they record events that happened between the Old and the New Testaments. And it's also called the Feast of Lights, uh, since lighting the menorah. Remember I showed a picture a while back about of the menorah, it's the one with all the candles, the big candle, that's what that is. 
Uh, and that's a central part of the celebration. So that's why it's also known as um, the Feast of Lights. So during this eight-day celebration, Jesus is in Jerusalem. And one day when he's walking on the east side of the temple, the group of Jewish people surround him. They'd seen Jesus heal, do all kinds of miracles, say that he's God so many times that he must have sounded like a broken record by now. But what comes out of their mouth? Don't keep us in suspense, Jesus. Just tell us who you really are. You know, the Jewish people didn't want to recognize Jesus as Messiah because they were looking for this political leader. They were looking for this, you know, warrior, this big leader of an army. The picture they had in their mind of what the Messiah would look like looked nothing like Jesus. He didn't live up to their expectations and that got in their way of seeing who Jesus really was. It's like us, you know, when we get told, I don't know, how can I explain this? A movie. You get told that this movie is fantastic. Oh, it's so good. And oh, you just wait for the end. By the end, you're going to be like, oh, that was the best movie I've ever seen. So your expectation is up here now, isn't it? And then you go in and you sit in the movie and you watch it and you come out thinking, oh, yeah, meh. (laughs) It was all right. Why is it like that? Because our expectation was up here. We had a different expectation walking in. If you go in and watch the same movie and someone tells you, oh, that's hopeless. That's no good, that movie. And your expectation is really low and you go in and you watch it and you go, whoa, that was a great movie. Do you see how your expectation can shift the end result? That's what's happening here. The expectation of Messiah was a political leader, a strong army warrior, someone who's going to come and lead us to defeat uh, all of our enemies. And Jesus was anything but that image. See, we can put God in a box sometimes and expect him to act a certain way because we have that expectation. And then when he doesn't, we're disappointed or we're disillusioned. Who's prayed for something and it didn't work out the way you wanted? Everyone's hand. Come on, let's be real. And you're let down, you're disappointed. But that's just because your expectation wasn't meant. Is God still on the throne? Yes. Is he going to come through in a way that only he knows? Yes. Does that frustrate everybody? Yes. Because <laughs> you want it a certain way. You want things to work out how you want. And then it doesn't quite go that way and we get disappointed. Let's shift our expectation. Let's realize that God is in control and that he will come through. And it might not look how we think it should look. But you know what? He's faithful and he's going to come through. All right. John chapter 10. Do tell. That's what they're saying. Do tell us about who you are. Okay. John chapter 10, 25 to 26 says this. Uh, Jesus answered them, probably with rolled eyes, although the video didn't show that, did it? (laughs) I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. And then they went and rioted, didn't they? As I said to you. You see, Jesus, I reckon he had to be the most patient person that ever lived. He's told the Jewish people over and over who he was. In addition, he's showed them by performing miracles. What more does this guy have to do to show them who he is? How much more proof do they need? Still, they didn't believe he was God. And it wasn't a matter of having all the facts and understanding them. It was a matter of the heart. And their hearts were not in the place 
of accepting Jesus. And that's why he says, you're not my sheep. You know, their hearts did not belong to God yet anyway. You know, in ancient times, a person's name, you're probably familiar with this, their name was believed to reflect something of the person. So names and meanings were very important. People were often named or renamed on the basis of a developing character trait in their life or who they were or what they did. So the father's name refers to all that God stands for in terms of his reputation and attributes. The miracles done in my father's name were consistent with God's character and in accordance with all he stands for. So don't be shy to use the father's name. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. And now you can approach any situation, any circumstance, and in the Father's name, in the name of Jesus, declare God's goodness and faithfulness over that situation, over your life, whatever it is. Be bold, because there's power in the name. Amen? There's power in the name. You should know me, Jesus is saying, but your hearts aren't in the right place. Well, in this room, my prayer is that our hearts are definitely in the right place. And that we know the Father and the Father knows us. And Jesus dwells inside of us and we can operate using the Father's name. And it's all for his glory. Amen? So, verses 27 to 30. Let's keep going. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And we looked at that last week with how the shepherd and the sheep and the pen and they'll only come out to the shepherd's voice. No one else's voice uh, will they respond to. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So now we're talking about godly security. See, Jesus offers us the greatest guarantee in the world. Eternal life with God in heaven that will never end for those who follow him. The key is we've got to follow him. It comes with an ironclad clause that we can never lose our salvation. The the key is to always be following Jesus. You know, there's contention and even in this room there's probably contention around whether you can lose your salvation or if you purposely choose to go your own way, do you lose your salvation? I'm not here to debate that today because my role as a pastor is to ensure that people are following Jesus. And if they're following Jesus, I can give you this guarantee that you'll never lose your salvation if you're following him. I'll let the Bible scholars debate that one out. My role is to point people to Jesus. And my Bible says when we follow him, we cannot lose our salvation. So can we just follow him, (laughs) please? That'd be great. Everyone here does. Everyone here does. It's all good. Let's read uh, verses 31 to 33. So then the, Jews, um, then the Jews took up stones against to stone him. It's becoming a pattern, isn't it? Let's pick up a few stones, knock him out. Jesus answered them. I loved in the video there, he just puts his hand up. <laughs> it's like hundreds of them. Silence. Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. I think these people have a stoning obsession. Uh, I think they just have 
designer um, robes with the little pocket to keep the stone in, because at any given moment, they seem to have a stone in their hand, ready to go. They have a stoning obsession. For, For as many times as the Jewish leaders tried to stone Jesus, you'd think they were getting paid by the stone. That's what I reckon. There must be a bit of an under the table deal going on here. So, the rocks weren't for any of the miracles that Jesus had done. When, when Jesus taught that he is the good shepherd who cares for his people and he claims to be one with the Father and the religious leaders try to seize him, that's when they bust out the stones because they're just angry because they don't get it because their hearts aren't in the right place. So no amount of explaining is going to change. They need a godly experience to shift their heart. They understood well that he was claiming to be God. That's why they had the stones at the ready. Because that sin was punishable by death, declaring you're a God. But apparently it never occurred to them that Jesus could actually be who he says he was. They weren't open to that or prepared to accept that. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, You are gods, little g. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the son of God, big G. Big G's, little G's make a big difference. It's a brilliant defense. It actually stops them for a moment in their tracks because they have to think about that one. In his defense, Jesus pulls out this uh, Psalm 82. It's a passage his stoners were acquainted with. So they couldn't ignore it. And it's set in the context of a court. And this psalm tells about God warning the little g gods or judges of the earth that they will be judged someday. And Jesus' argument is that God calls humans gods because in serving as judges, they participate in a function that is reserved for capital G God. If scripture gives human judges this honorary title, how much greater right of the title God does Jesus have? He's God by nature because we know that he's fully man and fully God. It was a brilliant defense that he pulled out at that time. But Jesus didn't stop there. He boldly and plainly told them that God sent him and that he was God's son. He wasn't afraid because he knew that the father was with him. And there's a theme right through, even up to this point, his time had not yet come. And so he knew that he wasn't going to get stoned that day. He had confidence because he knew what he had to achieve and do. All right, keep going. Verses 37 to 39. If if, If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the father is in me, And I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. Because his time had not yet come. Whatever it takes. You know, once more Jesus is urging the people to believe in him. If they weren't going to believe his words, then he wanted them to believe uh, on the works, the miracles that he had done. Because God was in that. And he did that so that they would see God. Not about glorifying himself, but can you not see that God is is with me healing a blind man from birth? 
whatever it took. He wanted them to look at the evidence so they'd know he really was God. But did they look at the evidence? No, they were into arrest mode. They had a stoning obsession. They wanted to take him out. Jesus slips away from them because it wasn't his time. And Jesus performed miracles so people would believe that he is God as well as a man and put their faith in him. That's all he wanted was for people to have faith in God. There's really only four possible conclusions when it comes to Jesus Christ and his claims. He's either a liar, a lunatic, a legend, or the truth. (laughs) The person who doesn't believe he was the truth, they've got to choose between liar, lunatic, and legend. And I love this because everything recorded about Jesus, there's no way he could possibly be a liar because he never sinned. And he always did what he said he would do. So he was faithful to his word. So he's not a liar. He's most certainly not a lunatic. Does anyone know a lunatic? Don't put your hand up because you might be talking about the person next to you. <laughs> but lunatics are a bit off the hook, aren't they? They're off the hinge. Lunatics can't control their reactions, how they act. They're quite larger than life and, and they can be quite verbose or whatever. They've got a lot of words and their ideas are ludicrous because they can't think logically. Jesus wasn't that. If you read about him, there's no way he's quite calm and lateral with his speech and, and, and well thought out and well presented, all those things. So that just leaves legend. And I think if you're not going to believe he's the truth, you can at least believe he's a legend, right? Because <laughs> Jesus is a legend. What he did was incredible. It impacted human history. Let's believe that he's the truth, hey? That's what the church believes. Cool. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. So Jesus retreated to regroup. Can I suggest to us all today that it's okay to retreat? I think in this world that we live in now, particularly with Facebook and Twitter, and we just have this urge to be right. <laughs> what I'm saying is truth, not what you're saying, and keyboard warrior, and then the response comes back, and then you're going off again, and you know. And if it's not online in socials, it's still in person. We, we can be a bit proud sometimes when we think something's right. We dig our heels in. I think we've all done it before. We don't back down. We want, it, we, want, we want the person to see the light. You know, we've got Christians calling each other woke or awake or asleep or whatever because they're all arguing over things. Oh, you must be asleep because you don't see it my way. Come on. Can I suggest it's okay to retreat to regroup? Sometimes if you're in a heated moment or stuff's escalated or things are going on, pick your battles and quite often it's not worthwhile battling. So retreat to regroup. Retreat from that situation. Walk away. You don't have to have the last word. It's okay. Walk away. Regroup. And you know what? In that time of regrouping, as you pray, as you allow the Spirit of God to come and breathe on that situation, to diffuse it or whatever, I guarantee you, you'll probably think, yeah, I'm not going to follow that up. I'm just going to let that go. 
That would be my encouragement anyway. It's not, a, it's not an opportunity to retreat, regroup, get the plan together and go back and smash them. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying often in the heat of the moment, we respond in ways that we perhaps wouldn't normally because it's heated. But retreat, go, move away, calm the farm. I say that to my kids a lot lately. Calm the farm. It's all good. Just relax. And then you realize how silly the whole situation is. And you know what? You're just like, eh. And you let it go. And perhaps even apologize. I don't know. So you can move on. You don't always have to be right. Retreat to regroup. That's important. Since the leaders were trying to arrest Jesus, Jesus retreated from the area. He could see that he wasn't going to get any further with that crowd. He'd presented the truth. They didn't want to receive it, so he's retreated. He crossed the Jordan River to return where John the Baptist had preached and baptized. And when Jesus first started his ministry, that's, that's where he retreated to. He didn't return to Jerusalem until Palm Sunday, but Jesus didn't retreat from people. He continued to teach where he was. And as a result, many people had a light bulb moment of who he was. And they realized that what John said about Jesus was true. And they believed in Jesus. I just think it's cool when people make that choice to believe in Jesus. Let's wrap up the chapter and uh, we're going to come to a close this morning. So Jesus compared people to sheep and the religious leaders to thieves and robbers. That went down really well. (laughs) Then Jesus called himself the gate who protects his people. I'm the gate. Come through me. And then Jesus called himself the good shepherd who leads people to God, protects them, and gives his life for them. And then the people were divided over who Jesus was, so things are getting heated. And what we've covered off today, during the Feast of Dedication, Jesus claimed again that he was God and challenged the Jews to believe in him. And then they tried to stone him because they were stone-obsessed. And they tried to stone him for blasphemy, and they wanted to arrest him, but he escaped. The ladies had a great moment yesterday, I think, doing this song. And we're going to learn it as a team, but we haven't learned it yet. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I just felt in my spirit today, I love talking about Jesus because he's the one that brings freedom. And at the start of the service, at the end of the worship, we prayed and many hands go up with needs and things. And we do that every week. But I just feel that today God wants to just flood your life with his presence Whatever's going on, he wants to bring calm. He wants to bring peace. I just had a feeling that people are going to get really touched today by the name of Jesus. We can get familiar. Can we just all agree to drop the spirit of familiarity in this moment, just for the next 5, 10, 15 minutes, however long we take. Coffee will be there when we're finished, so we don't have to rush to that. But can we just all agree, spirit of familiarity, go in the name of Jesus. And can we just reignite that passion of, for his name and the power that's in his name and what can happen in a moment in his presence? Can we get the lights? And I'm going to play this song uh, on the screen. And then we're just going to have a time of ministry at the end where you can just reach out and connect and just receive something by the power of the Holy Spirit today. Let's have a look.
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the
every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just believe that there are people in this place today that fire needs to be stoked again. That you need to receive the name of Jesus into your heart again. You've been discouraged, you've gone through a challenging time, a season that nobody could possibly understand but Jesus. you in this moment. Can we just stand together? Let's all stand in His presence. The song says, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. So we're going to do some shouting in just a moment. We're going to declare His goodness over your life and over your circumstance going to shine Jesus in the darkness. Amen. So if that's for you today, and I believe there are many, I just want you to come out the front. We don't do this much, but we're doing it today. Come on out and receive something powerful in His presence today. Just come. Just come. Quickly come. Just come and just lift your hands to heaven. It's a simple sign. Why do we lift hands in church? Some of us have more conservative backgrounds. It just shows we're hungry. And it just shows, God, we need you. We surrender in your presence. We can't do this on our own. We need more of you. And so, Father God, for every person at the front here, every person in this building, I declare the name of Jesus over every situation, over every circumstance, over every life, over every bit of brokenness, over every bit of our being that needs healing from you. Father God, we declare life. We declare light because your name is greater than any darkness, anything that would come against us. We speak Jesus in this place today. We shout the name of Jesus. We declare your praise. We declare your goodness. It's greater than any enemy that would come against us. So we thank you, Jesus, for your power. Holy Spirit, come and touch each person. Touch their hearts. Touch their lives. May we leave this place changed and transformed by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Come on, sing it out. Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You're the waymaker. We declare it today. 
no different. If you've done it before, you'll do it again. Jesus, come again in power and in might. Father God, for Colton today, touch him, Holy Spirit. Come again. Touch him again. Fuel that fire. Fan that flame again in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, for breakthrough. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We thank you for great new seasons, God. trust you. Our trust is in you, Jesus, as you come. Our trust is in your name, because there's power in your name. We receive it today for the new season. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for Rachel, Lord. We just believe, God, for your touch. Touch of your presence today. Bring that breakthrough today, we pray. Help us to surrender more of ourselves, Father God, and receive more of you. That's our prayer for every person in this place today. Less of us and more of you. The power is in your name, not in self, not in anything that we can do. Lord, we just surrender today in your presence. We surrender in your presence. We thank you, Jesus. We surrender. Do this in our own strength. Deb, allow the Holy Spirit to prop you up in this place today. Allow the Holy Spirit to carry you, to lift up your head, to lift up your hands, because Lord knows your strength can't do it. And so, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name and fill Deb today with the confidence and the courage, knowing that you are for her and not against her and that you will lead her and guide her to a better place thank you Jesus things are going to get better things are going to get better things are going to be restored in the name of Jesus we thank you Father God Pillow today, and it's called the Holy Spirit, and 
it's going to make your way straight. It's going to make your burden light because Jesus is now carrying your situation in the palm of his hand and we trust him to move and lead us and guide us. Amen. Let me pray God's blessing. Father God, I thank you for your church. Everyone under the sound of my voice, people online, we just thank you that as we receive Jesus, our burden becomes light. And so we choose to accept you again today, God. That name above every name, Jesus, is our portion. So Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us, protect us as we go about this week and and in the weeks ahead. Something has shifted today, we know it, and it's because of the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask for that same Spirit that conquered the grave, that now lives in us, to lead us and guide us. This week, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Give God some praise. We're just going to keep this. I don't know. If you want to go, you can. Morning tea's on. But if you just want to worship in His presence a bit longer, Jeremy's doing a great job on the piano. He can just keep playing. But coffee's on. Be blessed. Enjoy your day.